Hi, and welcome to the Sheep Show podcast dedicated to all things ovine. Thank you for joining me. I'm Jill Noble from Holston Valley Farm and Sheep Stud and your host. This is your podcast to learn more, know more and achieve more when it comes to shepherding. Come with me as we explore the amazing world of sheep and sheep farming together. For those that know me, you probably know that I've recently befriended a feral cat. (laughs) The cat's name is Gato, as in El Gato, so a Spanish name. And the reason I'm telling you this story is because I'd like to talk to you about a variety of diseases that impact ewes pre-lambing. So we've talked about lambing 101 when everything goes well. We've talked about lambing difficulties, so that's lambing 2.0. Now we're going to talk about the really ugly thing, when things die, when you have abortions, when you have stillborn lambs, when your ewes actually go down, when they really suffer pre-lambing. So particularly in this podcast episode, we're going to talk about the things that cause abortions in ewes and the things that will cause metabolic disturbances and metabolic disorders in pre-lambing ewes as well. So it seriously is, I suppose, the ugly side of, uh, of lambing and, and the real challenging side of lambing. But the good news is once you start to understand these a little bit more, you will start to see that there are ways that we can can prevent these things. So things that we can actually do as shepherds that will minimize these issues from occurring. So let's start off by looking at abortions in in sheep in particular. So there are a variety of causes that can result in abortions. Now it is it is reasonably rare. So and a normal percentage of abortions in a flock of ewes is about you know, one to sort of two percent. So, and and I'm getting these statistics from different government, um, Australian government statistics. So this is based on research. You can get what we would call an abortion storm, where about five percent. If you're getting five percent or more, then really it does require classification and, and and investigation. So the so some some abortions are sort of considered normal. Now sometimes it can be really hard to know if your sheep has aborted, and I'm and I'm going to talk to you about my personal experience this lambing season so far. But one of the challenges is, of course your sheep or your ewe could abort and you never know because the what's left or the incompletely formed fetus can be eaten by predators, foxes, eagles, whatever it might be. Or of course you might just never see it in your paddock, you know, so you might move your ewes on and and you never know. So and and perhaps the first sign that we often will see is when we go to mark and we see a dry ewe or we're if we're we're sort of closely monitoring our ewes and you know which ones are due to lamb and you see that one hasn't lambed yet, or um, you're you're seeing that um, perhaps they're you know they're putting on weight but no udder development. So these sort of things can um, can be really really quite challenging. Now, of course, this is different from ewes being infertile. So when the ewe doesn't get pregnant at all, of course, that that of course is a bit different to to this. And and again, that that's something for for us to explore um, at a at a later date. But when it comes to abortions in sheep, there really are toxins that cause these um, these challenges, and and they're infectious. So they're they're things that actually are are use will actually be infected with. 
And the other challenge here is that a lot of these infectious diseases are what we call zoonotic, which means that they can cause disease in people as well. So we, we can actually suffer from them. So back to my feral cat. Cats can cause one of these diseases. And this is toxoplasmosis. And it's a, a parasite that can cause abortions in small ruminants. What happens is that the cats can um, shed in their feces, shed these parasites. And if cats, like my feral cat, is living in a hay shed, for example, or where you store your feed, then that cat feces can be deposited on that feed or even in water, potentially. And then your sheep or other small ruminants can become infected when they ingest that feed or ingest the water that's contaminated by those cat feces. Now, I trust my feral cat. <laughs> Sorry, I do. Uh, and But I do see her sitting on bales of straw and sitting on bales of hay. So constantly thinking, what are you up to? Now, she's living outside and she brings me lots of mice and, and variety of different things. But of course, this is a challenge for me to constantly think about. Now, we have been, as as you've heard me talk about before, we have been supplementary or adding to uh, to the feed for our sheep for the last couple of weeks. Now, primarily I'm using a, a customized non-GMO grain mix with a high acidosis buffer that we get specially made up by a local feed mill. And it's stored in a silo. So I'm storing that in a closed environment so I know for sure that there's no contamination there from my feral cat. But I also was very, very lucky to get my hands on some clover hay from a local farmer in January. We went into the paddock and, and, and picked it up. And my sheep and, and my sheep don't, normally don't eat hay. They like this hay. So that's amazing. And I know my cat has been frequenting that particular hay shed. So what I'm trying to do is the top bales of the hay. These are small square bales. The top bales of the hay, I will give those to my weathers or my ewe lambs that aren't pregnant, or I'll feed them to our cows or horses. And then I will take the, this, the next layer down. So again, I'm trying to manage or reduce the, the chance of this cat, my feral cat, infecting those, uh, those bales of hay. Now, the reason I'm really telling you about this is because I've already had two abortions. Well, one abortion and one stillborn. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about that uh, as well. And, and sometimes, again, this can be a result of this toxoplasmosis issue. And, and generally in late gestation, you're going to see it. So around about the time that we're at, we're actually uh, now, uh, sometimes with the toxoplasmosis, the lambs are born alive, but really with, an, with a compromised immune system or their placenta is very damaged. And, and of course, it can lead to, to weak lambs. So with my stillborn, there's a possibility that that one could have been as a result of something like toxoplasmosis. And of course, I don't know where my feral cat is at night. She could be up around the um, where the sheep are and and of course could be infecting them as well so it's just one of those challenges but yeah unfortunately that's that is something last year I think I had one or two abortions and uh, you, you kind of start to see this where the larger your flock the more likely you are or the more frequent you're going to see things like these happening so that's something worth considering and just being aware of particularly for a lot of us on farms we have cats you know they're, they're around they're quite useful and I love my gatto so <laughs> 
so that's something to, to, to be aware of. Some of the other things can be that they can cause abortion as well. Again, a lot of them are bacterial. So there is a, there's another one called Camphilobacter. And again, this, this can be uh, a big challenge with, uh, with causing abortions and so on. And, and again, it's just a bacteria where once the sheep ingests this bacteria, it spreads into the uterus and can multiply uh, and of course, can result in in abortions uh, as well. Um, you can do an autopsy if you wanted to on the fetus, and if you can see things in the liver of that fetus, then you can identify if it's orange or yellow. You can identify that it is this Campylobacter um, causing causing some problems as well. So, and this type of bacteria really survives quite well in cool, wet situations. So, a lot, lot more common in winter, and um, uh, introduced by wild animals. So, this is the feces of crows and foxes when they would have ingested perhaps contaminated wild animals. So, they've eaten. Um, roadkill, for example, and as a result, then can spread that uh, around. There is some research on this particular bacteria, which suggests that it it can be cyclical, so it can occur every couple of a couple of years. Now, you can get a vaccine for for this particular one uh, as well, but once once you've had abortions and you think that this might be the cause, there's no treatment, so it's just um, one of those outbreaks. Uh, as well with with a few things to think about with with you that have aborted you want to remove any material so if you do see any fetuses placentas you do need to move that and get that away from the environment as quickly as you possibly can because of course that can carry the bacteria that we're talking about and it is better if you can to remove those use from the other mob as well because of course they could possibly infect um, their their other mates too. Another one is uh, as a result of a lot of poorly fermented feed like silage or spoilt feed. And this is listeria. So pretty typical. Again, humans can get that. And, um, and it can actually cause quite a few diseases in sheep from abortions to um, septicemia, meningitis and things like that as well. And again, you can check this one with the yellowing or white in the liver if you did want to do a, a, an autopsy on, on your fetus for that particular one as well. Uh, and again, that one, if you do notice that, that can be treated with antibiotics, of course, changing the feed, so sort of managing that. The other one is salmonella as well. Uh, and again, this can be ingesting the bacteria and it could be a, a carrier sheep or some sort of contamination from birds or other mammals as well who could carry this, for example. Chickens often have a lot of salmonella or other birds carry a lot of salmonella. And, uh, and again... What uh, what you're looking for here is your ewes are sort of dull, lethargic, uh, not just not themselves. And in this case, you will also get, um, you can get quite foul smelling bloody diarrhea from your sheep uh, as well. So those sorts of things can, can be managed by antibiotics too. And then the other one that we haven't actually talked about much, but is worth mentioning, and we'll talk about it in a little bit detail because it's later on, because it is quite important, is brucellosis. So 
in Australia in particular, we recommend that you only buy your rams from brucellosis accredited flock uh, and flocks. And this is a, a disease that rams in particular carry. Uh, and can result in infertility in rams. And it is as a result of homosexual activity in rams. So that's how they often spread it. And it can cause, um, if, if it is spread by a ram, and perhaps that ram just has it as a carrier of it, it can cause, again, late abortions and stillbirths or, again, very, very weak lambs that will not survive uh, and things like that. Uh, and what you'll often see, and this is what I saw with one of my young news, actually, what what um, this string hanging out of her. So I didn't see any placenta. I didn't see any actual fetus, but I did see cotyledons. Now cotyledons, the only way I can describe it is it's like a little string of pearls hanging out of her, her vulva. And it it can be quite smelly, uh, it can be quite thick, quite leathery. But if you start to see those hanging out, and, and I think I've, I saw on a Facebook page, you know, if in doubt, pull it out. You, again, you do want to kind of get rid of that as much as you possibly can. And again, segregate that you or uh, or that sheep from, from the mob. So that's, uh, I suppose, just a little introduction to abortion. Again, bear in mind, even though we've just talked about all the different reasons why it could occur, it can just be one. One of those things, you know, sometimes that lamb is not going to be viable. Sometimes that you just knows, you know, for her, it's just not not going to be possible for her to, to, to carry that lamb to full term. Whatever, it just happens. It is just one of those um, one of those things, unfortunately. The other area that's worth talking about is metabolic diseases in sheep. Now, metabolic diseases is a group of conditions that or are caused by deficiencies of essential nutrients and of course they they cause disease or they disrupt the normal metabolic process in that animal so how they process nutrients how they process their um, how their rumen works for example all these sorts of things they they're they're very sort of diseases or conditions that are are caused by lots of different things so sort of multifactorial and why I'm talking about them right now is because pre-lambing, late pregnancy, early lactation are times when there's a high stress, high demand on our use and high demand need for nutrients. So you can imagine just like any person, any, any, any animal, there is a huge demand on the body when that person or animal is in late pregnancy, particularly in our ewe flock where, and particularly in the year that we've got, and we talked about this with Brett, where we may may see multiple lambings. So we may see, and I, and I know in, um, in uh, our, our ewe flock, we've seen lots of triplets and lots of quads in Australia so far this year. And, uh, and again, that's kind of what you get, but of course, what you need to be aware of is that with that, you can get a lot more of these metabolic issues actually actually happening. Now, the challenge here with these metabolic diseases is the conditions overlap. They often look very similar and often you might have one or more disease at the same time, which of course complicates it. So again, prevention is, if we can, is is, is really important and again, treatment or, or how you're going to deal with it, um, you really need to be aware. And, and a lot of it, this is just about planning prevention as much as you can and then, and then planning. So one of the ones that 
most of us probably are very aware of is one called pregnancy toxemia or often called twin lamb disease. Now cows can get this as well. And what this is, is where the animal is deficient in energy. So they have a fall in their blood glucose when they have increased energy demand, which of course in late pregnancy, early lactation, they're going to have. If they don't eat enough to meet that demand, then they will start to use other resources for energy. So effectively, the ewe will start to use her own body fat. And this is going to lead to a production of a byproduct, in a chemical byproduct in their body. And it's a, a ketone. Now, I don't know if you've ever done a high protein diet, but this can sometimes happen to us as well. And of course, the challenge is that the toxins are in excess. When, when you start to see this twin lamb disease is when the animal is on poor feed or they're already in poor body condition, or again, there's, there's additional stress, additional demand. So large fetuses, twins, triplets, over fat, these are all situ- situations that are highly prone to, to pregnancy toxemia. Think about it, that you that's pregnant, if she's got two or three lambs, her rumen is smaller. Her demand for nutrients is higher, but the space inside her is smaller. So if you give her the normal feed, grass, for example, she simply will not be able to consume as much grass as she needs to because the space that she has is very limited. So what this means is that we need to make sure that the feed that's available is higher in protein and are denser, I suppose, and higher in energy as well, so that pregnancy toxemia doesn't happen. Of course, what feed is higher in energy, higher in protein? Well, this is where you start to think about supplementary feeding with grain, with lucerne, something that would be of a higher percentage of, uh, of protein. And we're probably looking at 12 13, 14% if we can, or more of, uh, of protein as much as we possibly can. So again, this is where we can prevent it. Now, so let, let's look at this. So your animal, to know if your animal has pregnancy toxemia, they will just be depressed. They'll be lethargic. Uh, they will be reluctant to eat. They'll be slow to get up from lying down. They can actually show neurological signs. So these are things like ryegrass staggers, stargazing, tremors, blindness, this sort of stiff or staggery gait when they're getting up. Uh, and of course, that can actually result in death. So, and again, the other thing is um, you can get other issues, again, multifactorial, things like mastitis can occur as a result of these metabolic diseases. So it can literally just be like a domino effect. You get one, you get, you get them all. So how do you prevent it? Well, adequate, good quality feed. And if you can, particularly if you know you, you've had a good season, they probably already had, had a good flush, they're, they're carrying multiple lambs, then you need to really think about making sure they're in good condition, first of all, so condition scoring your use, and then if you can, increase that protein in the feed. And this hopefully will, will ensure that you don't get it at all, so it's pre- preventable. If you do get it, then you're down the treatment route. And what you need to do is you need to increase and boost those blood glucose levels. And this is where you can get a pink liquid called ketol, which you can give orally to your you, you know, in a little syringe and over about a week or so, it's absorbed. So you continue to, to, to administer it. And then they be, they're able to 
metabolize the glucose in their liver. And, and again, any good quality feed, it will help in that. Uh, as well. If it's really bad, you can get your vet to do an intravenous infusion of glucose as well. And that, of course, will give a, a much quicker boost, but really last a, a short time. So you would need to to be able to give ongoing treatment to your you with, uh, with that. So again, prevention is much, much better than cure. And the amount or so that that again check with your vet but you're probably looking at about 125 mils of this solution for a week or or 10 days or so but that would definitely be going with uh, advice from your vet so that's pregnancy toxemia twin lamb disease or ketosis the other two then are incredibly multi multifactorial so one is hypocalcemia and then the other is grass tetany or grass staggers or hypomagnesia. <laughs> so calcium magnesium. So this is this sort of balance and nutrition that, that uh, our, our use need. So let's look at the, the first one I mentioned, which is hypocalcemia. Hypocalcemia is, is often called milk fever uh, due to low blood calcium. Now calcium in our use is important for lots of different processes. So again, this is where the, the um, metabolism comes into it, heart muscle function, blood levels. Obviously, with a growing fetus, the, the requirements are really high. She really needs to maintain those blood levels. And what hap- will happen is she will start to use calcium from her bones. And this is, of course, not, not good for, for the you at all. And, and milk fever will occur if the, the she's just struggling to keep up with that need for, for, for calcium. And again, it's times of stress or if you change their grazing, if they go from low roughage, high roughage, lush, if there's a lot of um, oxalates. So these are chemicals which bind calcium to form insoluble salts. All these sorts of things can be um, a predisposition to to milk fever. Again, what you will see in your animal is stiff, staggery gait. So again, they'll be sitting and they'll really struggle to get up. Muscle tremors, weakness, they'll lie down a lot, they'll lie on their chest or their side, they'll be depressed. And of course, that can also result in death. Again, sounds similar. This is one of the challenges because all of, of these metabolic diseases show very, very similar tendencies, very similar signs. So what do we do? Again, prevention much better than treatment if we can, if we can look at that. Um, but this is where we want to make sure that our ewes uh, have, again, good quality hay, good quality grain and again we start to increase supplements so leeks for example will will help particularly if they um if they're grazing particular pasture vitamin d will help with the absorption of of calcium um and of course this is where you can give yeah, different injections to to your use pre-lambing uh, as well you should probably think about encouraging them to uh 
sort of store calcium more or manage calcium as much as you you possibly can so even grazing pastures that are higher in calcium so you've got clover that would be recommended those sorts of things so so trying to trying to manage that and of course avoiding stress so you'll often see these sort of metabolic diseases apparent when you start to move your sheep or you put your sheep through the yards or there will be ones perhaps lagging behind and again those are additional times of stress when they're when they're being moved so trying to be gentle and calm and and move your animals in a in a sort of a a more leisurely fashion around this time is uh, is good good advice as well so what treatment then if it does happen and you, you you do see it in your flock in your ewes well this is where you need to give them a calcium solution so you might be familiar with a um, a sort of a pillow pack called Mincal or Minbal, and that's administered through uh, quite a large subcutaneous needle over a, a variety of spots, perhaps in your animal um, on their body to to have it absorbed. You can, of course, get your vet to help you with this as well. You will see that they will improve really quickly, but you might need to do it a few times. Keeping them warm, dry, you know, those sorts of things can can help. And and again, good feed as well will will really help. And again, for for sheep, you're probably looking at giving 100, 150 mils of uh, of this. And um, you'll even I was able to find this recently in my produce store. So it can be just literally bought over the counter and administered yourself. So it's good to have it on hand. And the reason I'm talking about this to you is, well, because I have seen this as well in my sheep. So I've been giving them uh, licks. So been using a, a calcium magnesium lick block to help them. And I've been adding some loose lick as well to their feed. And that has helped. But I am waiting at the ready in case I need to do this subcutaneous injection as well. So, But they're all still coming for feed. They're all, they're lying down, of course, a lot because they're very heavily pregnant. So that's normal. It's just about, well, do they still stand? So can you go up and touch them? That's probably not a good sign. They're probably needing a a bit of um, intervention if that's the case. And then the other one is grass tetany. And this is as a result of low blood levels of magnesium, grass tetany, grass daggers. Again, magnesium essential for muscle and nerve function. And if your animal is not absorbing enough of of this in their diet, then you might also start to see this happen. Well, this this appear apparent. I mentioned that uh, these particular metabolic diseases are multifactorial. So one of the things can be, particularly with grass tetany, is that if the pasture has been fertilized by potassium-based fertilizers, then the absorption of magnesium can be impacted. So magnesium absorption can be interfered with by other material minerals, particularly potassium. So, and of course, if you're using a a sort of an NPK type traditional fertilizer, then this can be an issue. So this is the sort of thing we're we're sort of playing with uh, as well. Gary and I have been particularly talking about prevention of grass tetany by using multi-species cropping. So looking at, well, what grasses species could we grow? What cover crops could we grow that would ensure that there would be enough magnesium and of course calcium as well, but magnesium here in particular is what we're talking about. So that when the ewes are eating grass, 
particularly in that sort of last six weeks of so, that last uh, stage of gestation, that they would be able to access these minerals in the feed and then all we'd really have to manage is the pregnancy toxemia, so really looking at that. Uh, in particular. And, and and this is where we see, like for us at the moment, in our pasture, we have, we're very lucky, it's quite lush, it's quite green, but it's a lot of winter ryegrass. So that's obviously meaning that in some of our pastures, that's all there's there. There's food there, there's food on the ground, but of course that will mean that one species will or could be deficient in nutrients and particularly where there is lush green grass you might see that there are these metabolic diseases appear because effectively they're on a, a sort of a, a mono culture of, of a mono species diet and again the the symptoms of grass tetany will be stiffness staggery gait tremors blindness sometimes they can get sort of really nervous and excitable sometimes it's drowsy depressed they'll be lying down and, and of course uh, death can can occur and in some instances with particularly with grass tetany all you see is death it's just they're dead and of course that's not what we want uh, uh, at all so to prevent it uh, again think about that multi-species type cropping and, and this is something we're, we're going to explore in some future podcasts as well so what exactly would be a good combination to to try and grow and how to do that you know a lot of our pasture is not tractorable so we we need to look at other alternatives to sow out and introduce different species into our pasture so that um, we can get that diversity. But of course, prevention can be in the form of leaks, magnesium-related leaks. Uh, and I've been trying even Epsom salts, adding some Epsom salts. It is a laxative, so you do need to be careful with it. And and anything where that you would, you would have, perhaps where you know the levels of potassium in your soil. So if you're aware of your, your soil mineral makeup, then you can sort of try and, and, and make some decisions around where you might graze those sheep uh, coming up to those final stages of uh, of gestation. If you do see these signs, the signs of grass tetany, then it's back to that um, subcutaneous injection that I mentioned. So particularly here, the minbal or the pillow pack four in one is uh, is used. And of course, you can you can consult your vet, but you can get this product over the over the counter as well. So, and we're looking at regular doses trying to sort of increase it you will again see a they will respond very quickly but you you do need to perhaps continue it and you're looking at you know for a, a 100 kilo u or or 80 kilo u 100 to 150 mil so so quite a lot subcutaneously administered for for managing those so prevention better than cure being aware of these two particular challenges the bacterial impact with all of those particularly that can result in abortions, stillborn lambs that, that are not viable, and then the metabolic diseases. And of course, the metabolic diseases can actually occur at any at any stage, not so much the pregnancy toxemia, but um but, but any to stage of stress, you can start to see these metabolic diseases. But pregnancy, of course, is the highest period of stress that we're going to have for our use. So that's when we will see them uh, see them apparent as well. I, I guess the, the, the real learning here for us, 
uh, and hopefully for, for a lot of you, is that this is something we need to start managing months ago. Yeah. So when it gets to these stages and, and you're like me, you start to sort of see some of the signs. I mean, and, and I'm seeing it. I mean, I'm, I've got a hundred, a hundred users. So at, at the moment that I'm, that I'm lambing and you know, I'm, I'm just seeing a, a tiny piece, but still it's there, you know, still I've had I would, one abortion and one sort of stillborn unviable lamb. Again, I'm putting that down to that's, that's probably, uh, uh, the, the, the normal percentage, but the metabolic diseases are something that we can really start to prevent. So loose licks, um, mineral injections in the pre-lambing, diversity of pasture, managing the soil, being aware of your soil nutrition levels, um, supplementary feeding, and then being prepared, you know, being prepared for those eventualities or being prepared for these sort of um, disasters. And, and sometimes that's exactly what we, we just need to do. So trying to prevent as much as we can and then trying to be prepared as much as we can. This uh, series here, this uh, podcast is going to be part of a, a lambing diary series. So I'm going to continue to share with you my journey, warts and all, of lambing my biggest lamb numbers that, that I've ever had to lamb. And hopefully you'll learn along with me as I, as I learn and, and research and talk to people and, and find out some of the challenges. Hopefully the news will get better. I am expecting some lambs this week. So hopefully by the time we talk next week, we will have some lambs and it'll all be lovely, joyful, bouncy baby lambs around the place. And, uh, and that's really what, what we want. And I'll be able to tell you a little bit about how those, uh, how those situations go and, and what joys I can share with you. But yeah, shepherding is, is sometimes the highs and the lows, as, as I've mentioned before. And, and these things that we've just talked about today are, are definitely some of the more challenging things, but hey, that's, um, that's all part and parcel of it. It's all learning. It's all a, an opportunity for us to, to get better. Happy lambing wherever you may be, or uh, if you're in other parts of the world, you might be coming to, to the end of summer and you might be starting to mark your lambs and weigh your lambs. So interesting for you, you're in a position where you can prepare, I suppose, for joining and uh, ensure that some of these things that we've just talked about you can prevent them as much as possible. You've been listening to the Sheep Show podcast with Jill Noble from Holston Valley Farm. Please take a moment to rate and review this podcast on your preferred podcast app. Each rating and review helps us fulfill our goals of helping you learn more, know more and achieve more when it comes to all things ovine. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, sheep well.